The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Alivet. Support babies' healthy development at every stage. The Human Race podcast discusses subjects that will be upsetting for some, including infertility, miscarriage and stillbirth. Support is available. Check the show description for details. Kia ora and welcome to The Human Race, a podcast about those who are in the race of their lives to create a life. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and for the past four years and counting, I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. So we wanted to bring you stories from those people that have been through it. So even if you don't want to talk about it, maybe those stories can give you hope or at the very least make you feel a little less alone. This is a collab podcast between Stuff and Wabi Sabi Media. So we asked all of our guests on the Human Race podcast to be vulnerable and, and they've come good. They've shared raw and intimate, sometimes heart-wrenching details of their fertility journeys. So far, I think we've only given you a couple of funny stories. We've talked about ball bags a lot um, and maybe a few headlines of our own journey. So we figured it was only fair that we subject ourselves to the same treatment. So welcome to the human race, husband, Dan. Well, thank you very much. Welcome along, Nadine. <laughs> uh, great to have you here. Uh, so where shall we start? I guess you start at the beginning. So I was born in Christchurch. No, no, <laughs> maybe we not we, that we beginning. won't go that far back. <laughs> um, but we got happily married in the year... Insert wife information. <laughs> 2017. 2017, of course. And then we went on a lovely honeymoon um, and did all those fun things you do on honeymoon um, to try and make a family. Um, oh, no, we didn't. No? <laughs> we were practising, but... Practising. It was never going to work because I was I was I still had a birth control method going on at that point. This, this, this rundown of this timeline is going to go well. For my memory. <laughs> yeah, well, I might maybe I'll bring the details. You bring the flair. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> so we started trying in 2019. We went on honeymoon in 2018, um, and we started trying at the start of 2019. And we tried naturally for the first year. And I remember at the end of that year, I think it was the end of that year. Just before Christmas, I was a week late. And on That's Christmas right. Eve, we were on the Gold Coast with your mum and I was mm. couldn't sleep that night because I'm like, I'm going to take a pregnancy test in the morning and I'm going to wake up and tell Dan that I'm giving him a baby for Christmas. Here's a piss stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was negative. And then I got my period and I maybe learned to lesson about getting too excited too early. <laughs> well, we've been trying a year though, so you can see why you start getting excited. That was the only even hint of it we had in that first year. Yeah. And so it's just nothing. Nothing was happening. So then we went to Fertility Associates and I vividly remember that first meeting. I bet you do too, because you got a gold star. Oh, yes. <laughs> a thumbs up and a gold star. Thank you very much. That's right. Because Great semen. She literally said, great sperm. And I was like, I cannot believe that. I must have done a test, though, for her to know that, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'd done some <laughs> testing. Um, she didn't know just on sight by looking at you. Oh, he's got great sperm. Um, no, I, I kind of felt a bit ripped off because, you know, I'm the goody two-shoes of our relationship, right? <laughs> Whereas you've lived a bit of a life. And I was like, oh, over here I'm with my clean living and he's the one who gets the thumbs up. <laughs> so anyway, she said at that point, um, let's start out. I Do you know you're ovulating? And I was like, to be honest, 
I got no idea. And so they started us out on what they call monitored cycles. So mm. I took a drug called letrozole, which is just a pill, I think, a couple of times a day. And had, had you had your I, – I was going to say like I, IUD. Is that the right one? No, that's – is that what they – you have in a war zone? No, 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 that's an IED. IED. Uh, <laughs> IUD had been taken out by that's that point. That's right, yeah. Yeah. And they said, let's try this. And so you take the drugs, they go in and scan you, they're looking for follicles. The first time they're like, perfect, go away and have sex. Like, go crazy for the next three days. So that's where the scheduled sex that's right, yeah. comes in. That didn't work. We went back again. And I remember we were going to Waiheke for a weekend. It was like on the tail end of maybe the first lockdown. And we were all excited to kind of go overseas. Oh, that's right. Get, get out of our house. <laughs> yeah, get out of our house. And I went in and they did the scan and there were four follicles mm. suggesting four eggs were going to be released. And they're like, hold the phone, don't have sex, you'll end up having quads. And Dan was waiting for me on the island, so excited to get this scheduled <laughs> sex underway. And I was like, do not touch me. Don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> and just kind of weird when you've got like four eggs there and you're like, oh, this is, chances just go through the roof. Def definitely need to be getting involved and trying. Whereas they just warn you about all of the risks of multiple births and that it's more dangerous for the baby, it's more dangerous for the mother. And so we tried again with a smaller dose of the drugs and I still produced three eggs. And again, they said, don't do it, don't do it. And this time I was a little bit like, well, look, we've spent this long trying to have Absolutely. one baby and have none babies. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances I'm going to end up with three? And so we did go for it that time. And I guess at this point, this is when the, for those who haven't listened to the episode with Sharon and Bryce, we introduce some stress relieving antics to the scheduled sex, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, try and keep it, try and keep it a little bit fresh because time to sex, uh, not as fun as it sounds. Mm. Um, and so you have to try and, you know, make it exciting. And um, Do you remember all of the different costumes you came up with? Um Cowboy, Ashley Bloomfield. Was I like a specialist at one stage and maybe a builder? I felt like you came in as the pool boy once. Oh, yes, I did come in as the pool boy, not wearing very much. Yep. And maybe I had like the pool leaf thing from, <laughs> from, 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 from our budgets. Parable. Parable. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess that was the funny side of it. But then afterwards, when I'm trying, I've got my legs up the wall to kind of like counteract gravity, which is probably complete bullshit. But I was like, we'll try whatever we can at Give this it point. A whirl. Um, we used to get our phones out and play songs mm. to like, I don't know, encourage little swimmers along the way. Yeah. Um, and I remember some of them were jokey ones, like you pay, played Justin Bieber, Baby. Yeah. And then I remember you came up with some really good ones. Um, Eddie Vedder has this song called Long Road. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I just cried all the way through it, just thinking of our long road and how we were still on this long road. And I wasn't sure whether I could even complain about our long road because we knew other people whose roads had been longer, mm. but also just so hoping that it would Se and it seems a little bit, Seems a little bit naff doing it. But also it was a good time killer because you're trying to keep that sperm and swimming, swimming <laughs> along for as long, as long as you can. I didn't find it naff at all. I actually found it 
like a bonding moment. Mm. And when you came up with that, I thought it was the cutest thing in the world. He's such a cute guy. <laughs> He's such a cute guy. And then there was a um, an instrumental one by Ben Harper called The Three of Us mm. and because we were trying to imagine this life with three of us instead of two. But anyway, it didn't work. <laughs> Long story short, didn't work. I think we did one more, same result, and I was thinking to myself, wow, this is great when we do IVF. I'm going to produce heaps of eggs. Yeah. Um, so is this when we go <clears throat> IUI? No. So what happened was, um, I'm the one, I guess, with the spreadsheet yeah. here. <laughs> Can you share that? So yeah. I don't sound so unengaged. I don't, I don't have a literal spreadsheet. It's in my head. Yeah. Um, but they do all blend into one, to be fair, because there's so many interventions. Yeah. But what happened at that point is Fertility Associates said that we think you might have endometriosis. And I wasn't really a classic case of endometriosis, that I didn't have debilitating pain during my cycle. But it did. I did have a lot of pain, kind of associated with bowel movements, mm. which can actually be another symptom of endometriosis that I was not aware of. And so they sent me off to a specialist. You can't tell a lot from a scan unless you've got incredibly bad endometriosis. And so he basically said, "We've got to go in. It'll be a diagnostic surgery. If it's there, we'll take it out. And if it's not, well, we know you don't have it." Yeah. And, and, and endometriosis is a form of scar tissue. It's a form of the. It's like a version of the tissue that grows inside of your uterus, but yeah. it grows outside of your uterus. So it's a an inflammatory condition, and it is well known to impact your fertility. And so they tell you that your best chance is after having the surgery. So I had the surgery. They go in, they go in through your belly button, which really <laughs> weirded me out. And they blow. And you love your belly button being touched. I hate my belly button being touched. <laughs> <laughs> and they blow it up with gas and then they go through in then through other incisions and they cut it all out. And they found some. So it was like stage three of four endometriosis in all sorts of places. <clears throat> when he showed me the pictures, I was like, oh, is it the yellow stuff that's in there? And he said, <laughs> oh, no, that's fat. And I was like, oh, cheers. <laughs> oh, makes, you, makes you feel good. And, and just a side note, we were very lucky to have uh, health insurance because you oh, don't – there's so many cases out there of women that go through this and have to go on waiting lists. And the, like – Endometriosis, because I've learned quite a bit about it for going through our thing, women get knocked out on the toilet from it, from the pain, and pass out, mm. and it's it's a horrible. And at that point in time, the wait lists were particularly bad because yeah. it was at the end of COVID, and so a lot of those women who were in those extreme levels of pain hadn't been able to get that surgery um, during lockdown because it's considered elective, which is bananas, because if you're in that level of pain, it's hardly an elective oh, surgery. Yeah, but bullshit. anyway, um, we were very, very fortunate to be able to, I guess, go private and got it done. And it prompted me to write a whole lot of stories for yeah. it and interview women who have had endometriosis and adenomyosis and, you know, like living in this silent level of extreme pain where they're calling the ambulance they're so debilitated. So... Explore it. It tends to take, I think, something like seven to 12 years to get diagnosed because people go to the GP and they go, oh, this level of pain is normal. It's just a woman's cycle. It's not a bloody woman's cycle. It's not meant to be debilitating. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, and so after that, they said, hey, try naturally again. Your chances are better after having the surgery. So having we had surgery. a summer of sex. Similar. <laughs> <laughs> and in the new year, we're like, oh, okay, so we're back to the drawing board. We could have IUI. Well, we could have IVF. Yeah. 
and we so this is I think this is our private round because we had because we we hadn't qualified for qualified public yet. funding. That's right. That's right. And we were like, well. They said to us, you can't have problems on both sides if you're going to do IUI. And mm. obviously there was a problem on my side. And so they retested your sperm. That's right, yeah. And that miraculously, it had gone, not miraculously, disappointingly, it had gone from thumbs up great sperm to, oh, God. Yeah, wish we had known that before summer. I know. We, it, was, <laughs> it was a fruitless summer of sex, although, you know, fun was had by all. <laughs> Good to hear. Good review. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Five stars. So then I get tested. They... And it was it was kind of weird because they said the sperm I can't remember the technical term because I just kind of phase out a lot when I have these medical exams and my wife goes <laughs> can you put your phone on record so I know what the doctor has said to you because I come back with a very vague summary of and I ask questions <laughs> and you're like I don't know <laughs> um, but they decided that they needed to do surgery because we I had did have a blockage um, in my ball bag and then that was affecting the quality and the amount of sperm. Um, I think at the time. Yeah, I think if it's just maybe a little bit like a dam, yeah. the the guys weren't getting out, mm. and so that was a relatively simple. Yeah, I think it was a, I was in and out in a day. Yep. Although mm. you, you, they did go in through your neck, and the mm. surgeon wasn't really keen to explain why. No. We still don't really know. No, he's just like that's my job. That's what I do. So you focus on what you do, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of it. So the sperm came right, and then we started IVF. And I don't know, I found IVF, I know some people find the injections hard and the hormones hard, but I really felt like we're doing something positive and science is going to deliver for us. And so I would get my little kit. You have to do it at the same time every night. I'd sit down and oh, like take some deep breaths. Gross. Dan didn't even want to look. I think he stayed for the first one. I was one supportive, but from the other room. From the afar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whereas years and years ago, early in our relationship, Dan had had deep vein thrombosis after a surgery mm. and I had to inject you in the gut every day with like a blood thinner. Yeah. You'd come into the boardroom. Stab him <laughs> in, the, in, in the belly. Get away again. <laughs> Great nurse. Yeah. And so I actually had no problem with it. And the needles are quite small. One of the drugs that you add in a little bit later on was a bit more stingy, but I kind of wasn't too worried about it. And it felt like I was doing something. Mm, you're very focused and Yeah, it felt like I was doing something step. productive. And then they scan and scan and scan you to see how many um, follicles there are because yeah. that gives you an idea about how many eggs they're going to get. And blood tests every once yes because they don't oh god I forget they're looking for one of the hormones they don't want it to get too high because then you might actually ovulate and then you'll release all of those eggs (laughs) they want to get to them before your body does it naturally so many rules I know and initially they were like look we're hoping for about 10 and we went in at some point and they're like oh there's like 6 or 7 some of them aren't mature so they gave me a few more days of the drugs and I was like crossing my fingers that everything was going to be okay and then on the day we got 11 that's right, yeah. And it's a weird situation because um, I went in when we were doing the um, egg collection or harvesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know. Such <laughs> so, a weird so I was sitting in there while you were kind of drugged out of your mind a little bit. Which I um, quite kind of enjoyed. Yeah. Uh. And you sit, you're sitting there and I'm holding your hand, the doctor's doing what the doctor does. And then this lady pops her head out a little window on the side and goes, three eggs. And you're like, what? Hey, Hey, what? And then she's like, gone, bang, bingo. back in. And I'm like, what the, what the heck just happened there? And then another couple of minutes go past and 
Hey, Tegs! And she's back in the back in the window. I'm like, what is actually happening here? You're you're sort of la la talking to the doctors, telling them secrets. <laughs> Who knows what I said? But I don't remember, so it didn't really happen. So that was the embryologist, and I guess the eggs are so microscopic that they're like clearing the tube and counting the number that you get. And so I was like, I'm a good little chicken. <laughs> I've laid eleven eggs. I've done so well. But then they called me. Because then they call you on day, the following day, to Mm, tell you how many have fertilized. And I think six of our 11 fertilized. And I was like, okay, we knew that there was going to be a drop Mm. off. But then on day five, they call you to let you know when it's got to the blast assist stage. And that's like some sort of duplication of the cells that puts it at a viable stage to freeze it. To freeze it down, that's right. And they said none of them have reached blast assist stage. And I was like, Sorry, what now? Yeah, it was Devo. And I don't know, maybe, usually the nurses are lovely, but maybe some of the people in the sciencey bit, you know, in the <laughs> lab, are, are slightly more clinical. I don't know. And I was like, what does that mean? And she was like, oh, we'll just give it another 24 hours and we'll see what happens. And the next day, I think one had reached blastocyst stage. And I remember I was in the pharmacy and the, the lady had quite a thick accent and I was struggling to understand what she meant. But what it transpired is we had produced CC-grade embryos. And, and now, I this was... is a big, big, big <laughs> downer for Nadine, who has always been an A-grade student. A-plus, thank you very much. A-plus, sorry. A-plus <laughs> um, student. And I think this might have been her first CC. It's first C at like a really crucial time, you know. But also, I didn't know they were going to be graded, and I was like, "I would have done better." I would have. I, I should have known. I would have tried harder. I've got no idea what I actually would have done differently. But they then explained, well, what it means is it kind of takes your chances from like one in two to one in five or six. Mm. So our chances had kind of gone from a flip of a coin to a roll of the dice. And then I think they later clarified it was like the chance of this embryo taking is 10%. And so I was like, oh, my God, I just thought science would deliver. So as it turned out, the following day after that, we had two more CC-grade embryos. And I was like, so what do you do if it's a D-grade? And they're like, oh, yeah, they're not viable for freezing. I'm like, so you bin them. So basically we've got the lowest-grade embryos that are worth even trying with. Cs get degrees. Yeah, but I don't – yeah, and maybe they get babies, but um, (laughs) not so far for us. But I guess I've just felt really unprepared for that. I didn't realise – I just thought, we'll get some eggs, we'll fertilise them, we'll put them in and we'll have a baby. And – well, science, come on. Yeah. Science. Science, science. But it, it just kind of knocked me sideways. And, you know, I worked down in Parnell and I remember getting the call and it was the first time I'd kind of cried at work about this whole fertility thing. I just had to walk out of the office and I went to Judges Bay and it just felt like the most appropriate place because I was judging myself. You know, I was like, how am I so shit at this baby making thing? This is all my fault. Why are my eggs terrible? What have I done in my life that has created this outcome? I was just full of self-loathing. Yeah, putting it all on yourself, which isn't well, fair. You, you'd got the thumbs up for the sperm again, yeah. and so it really did feel like it was all me. And so then we went into another lockdown. Ugh, that's right. <laughs> and we, we couldn't put uh, the fresh embryos in straight away because my hormone levels were too high. So they let them come down. The following month, you take all the prep drugs 
and when you're all kind of juiced and ready to go, <clears throat> they put the embryo in. So I you, couldn't come in. You weren't allowed it in. I wasn't allowed in. So, so you just I'd dropped drop, me I'd drop off. You at the door, and then I'd go wait at BP. Well, you pretty <laughs> much could circle the block because it happened pretty was, quickly. Yeah, it was pretty quick. You did. When I came out, you said to me, "How much did that cost per minute?" <laughs> <laughs> I think I did do the sums. I think you did the sums, and it was horrible. It was yeah, a lot. Um, but I kind of went in being like. We've got a 10% chance. You don't throw embryos in the bin, but I know that this is not going to be successful. Mm. So I'm just preparing myself for that outcome. And week later, 10, ten, days. 10 days. So they put it in and I saw it flash up on the screen. That's right. It was like the like a little star. It thing. was like a starburst. And then they printed me off a little Polaroid like like I'd been on a, a fairground <laughs> ride or something. But also they then play that moment that the embryo goes into the uterus on repeat. And so it was like, I don't know, it's almost like it seeded me with a little bit of reckless hope. And I came back with my little Polaroid and I put it on the fridge. Mm. And then 10 days later, go to the testing center and you have to go before 9am because you've got a fertility priority form and you can always spot the women with their little yellow forms looking around anxiously. Trying to get to the front of the line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was the middle of COVID, so there was one weekend testing centre available in the whole of Auckland, and there was this massive queue, and I kind of went there, did the blood test, and uh, distracted myself for the rest of the day. Mm. And then we got a phone call, and I burst into tears. Mm, like lunchtime. Yep. When I was down in the garden. You came in, and you said, it's okay, Angel, we'll just try again next time. And then I was like, no, no, you don't understand. It's positive. And like, what the fuck? I know, absolutely. And we were like, oh my God, our child is an odds beater. <laughs> it's a 10%er. CC yes. 10%. Yeah, CCs do get babies. <laughs> um, except they don't because it was a positive test, but over subsequent weeks they were tracking the hormone levels, which is your HCG levels, which they're meant to double roughly every 48 hours. Which is a cruel game to play when you go for your blood test and you got to wait for the results to come back each day or every second day and you're like and then you get this oh no it's not climbing so that's not looking good but um we'll, we'll test you again in a few days yeah and initially they said the results were really high yeah. so it was a very strong positive and then the next ones were kind of doubling but maybe just a little bit shy so then they're like let's do it again and i think i ended up you know, we did sort of four or five tests. They worked out, okay, they're not doubling. And then after that, they started falling. But then they make you continue to get blood tests until your levels are back down to normal. So mm. my poor arms, <laughs> I was in and out of that blood testing center. But by the time they're falling, you're like, well, I know what this means. This is all over, but you have to keep doing it anyway. And so that just felt, I mean, we were in lockdown anyway. Yeah, and already down yeah well like work's not great well in my case it was super intense and in mm. your case it was non-existent and totally. so it was just like stress city and actually at the same time you were having a whole bunch of health issues just to kind just of throw to, that into yeah. the mix I was in and out hospital as well yeah which you couldn't come in and see me and yeah well and i distinctly remember you delaying going to hospital because it's it was a recurring condition and you'd kind of get warning signs mm. And that involved intense pain. And you'd not tell me because you wanted to be with me at that next appointment or whatever. And then you'd be like, okay, so. Um, <laughs> no, we've, no, no, we've, we've done, done that. that. <laughs> I've, I've already packed my bag. It's in the car. Can you Would drop you me off at Auckland DD? Drop me in there. <laughs> 
You pretty much had a, a frequent flyer card. Yeah, absolutely. But after that, I guess things got more frustrating still mm. <laughs> because they were like, okay, we've got two more embryos, let's try again. And so we took all the drugs and then they scan you to check that the lining of your uterus is kind of looking like a hospitable environment for some eggs to for embryos to hang out in. Mm. And again, I wasn't really prepared for the outcome. They scanned me and they're like, it's looking too thin. So we'll give you some estrogen patches, which are a really fun time, a bloat city, um, to see if we can thicken this up. And so they did that. It didn't really work. And they're like, look, we're going to have to abandon the round. So you kind of spend two weeks taking all of the drugs. Getting all sussed out. For nothing. And getting your mind in the right place for it and dealing with it all. Yeah, but also like, why is this happening? Yeah. And so, okay, okay, we'll, we'll try again next time. The following time they give me higher drugs from the beginning. And then it's still looking a little bit thin. And so they try this procedure, which anyone who's ever had a vampire facial will kind of know what I'm talking about, is they take your blood, they spin it to separate the plasma, and then I guess when it's the facial, they inject the plasma into your face. But when it's <laughs> when it's your uterus, they inject it into your uterus, which is incredibly, I don't know if everyone finds it this way, but I found it incredibly painful. No pain relief or anesthetic. They're just jamming a needle into your uterus. Um, they did that twice. I think it gave us about half a millimetre yeah, and we still weren't really there, and they and they're like, well, it's kind of a waste of time putting embryos up there if yeah. you haven't got a thick enough lining because mm-hmm. it's just not a good house for them to go and hang out in. And so I think after that we tried one more time. It still wasn't thick enough, but they we knew that it was low quality embryos. Mm. We can't get any more embryos until we've used these embryos because our public funding round had just come up, and so we put them in. Yeah. Both of them in. Which they were like, oh, Which they're iffy on. Twins, yeah, yeah, twins. yeah. I'm like, just give me a freaking baby out here. <laughs> but nothing happened. Did you know that one in four people in Aotearoa, New Zealand, experience infertility? And it can be an incredibly challenging journey. Surgery, tests, drugs, specialists, diet... Many people try many things to give themselves a fighting chance of having a baby. Elevit is a preconception and pregnancy multivitamin and mineral supplement. It's specifically formulated to help meet the increased nutritional needs of women trying to conceive and those fortunate enough to get pregnant. Elevit is available at leading pharmacies. For more information, head to elevit.co.nz. Kia ora Aotearoa and welcome to The Big Stuff Quiz. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, alongside my assistant, the wonderful Chris Reid. Hello everyone. Each week we'll release a new episode to test your wits with two rounds of ten questions. One potluck round and another that's very loosely themed. A bit tangential even. Such a good word. If you think you're up for the challenge, go and follow our show on your favourite podcast platform, The Big Stuff Quiz, is out now. The Big Stuff Quiz is proudly brought to you by Melbourne. Every bit different. So then we go to public funding. Now we have enough points. We're at 100 points. Is it 100 points you need? Yeah, 100 points you need. Um, and I think we only got there because we've been trying so oh, long. the ball bag. You were doing so many things. Bag. The ball bag did, did, did a, um, got some points as well. Maybe our age, 
yeah, there's so many different things that so what gets you there. They suggested is that potentially I had an adhesion in my uterus after having the miscarriage, and so I had this incredibly painful scan where they mm. like inflate a balloon inside there to take some images and they're like yep we're pretty sure there's an adhesion in there you need another surgery I again lent on my um, health insurance and initially the health insurer declined it that's right because they said this is um, fertility treatment and my doctor wrote an email saying no Mm. this is a complication of a miscarriage and they backed down and apologised and funded it. So, again, so lucky, so lucky. Um, And so they went in, they cut out the adhesion, they, you know, cleared everything out, and the idea was that my periods would return to normal because Mm. I'd been having these, like, one-day-long periods, which is an indication, right, that the lining's not thickening up because then there's not much lining to shed. There's definitely something going on. Yeah, and they just never did return to normal. Mm. So... This is two years ago? Uh, So I think at this point we're heading into 2022. Yeah. So we go in, we do the IVF round, they try a slightly different protocol where you actually had to mix up all the drugs each night. That's right. One time I did it in the bathroom of a restaurant. We were out Mm. for a work dinner and I was like, excuse me, you know, my alarm goes (laughs) off at 8 p.m. And I was like, I felt like some sort of drug dealer in the bathroom. You did have a little drug bag. (laughs) Yeah, I had a drug bag mixing these up and I was like, don't break any. Man, I hope that it is, you know, sanitized in here. Um, Anyway, we... Did the extraction, we got 10 eggs, but once again, only two embryos as a result of that. And this time they were BB. So we we moved slightly up, but still not A's. (laughs) (laughs) And I had been at the same time making a whole lot of lifestyle changes in the hope of trying to improve their quality. And I guess that it made some Some difference, difference, but I maybe wasn't 100% committed to the lifestyle changes. And those lifestyle changes came about going and seeing a holistic fertility specialist. Which you were so sceptical of. Very. I was like, here we go with some woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I later doubled down and decided I was going to like do it properly. I'm yeah. going to do this like a proper good girl would <laughs> and like, do it to the letter. So we put one embryo in straight away after the extraction cycle. It didn't work. Mm. And then we went back to the old game of taking the drugs, trying to thicken the lining. I think we did it two two times and it just they just tried giving me more and more drugs and, and it just would not thicken. Yeah. And by this time we'd actually gone to a new fertility clinic as well. To get a second to opinion. Get a second opinion. Um or well, we'd been sent to a different one for the public round. Oh, yes, sorry. So, yes, the public round. We actually forgot to talk about the the introduction to the public system was... Oh, yeah. Not very nice at all. It was um, pretty fucked up, I would say. There was no empathy at all. They didn't read the notes that had come from our previous fertility clinic. Um, They just kind of took us through the consent form. Took us through the consent form. And the the thing that really (laughs) pissed me off... And, you know, I usually speak my mind, but I was like, I don't want to embarrass Nadine right now. The doctor was no eye contact with us, was looking through the night uh, notes, flipped over a page and goes, oh, okay, you're 30, 35 or 36. Mm. Uh, you got a 30% chance, flicks over to the next page. And I was like, what kind of 
bedside manner is that? Yeah. It's screwed. And so actually, I don't think we said anything at the time because I was like, no, what are we, we going to do differently? And she couldn't tell me because she didn't Hadn't know what we'd actually <laughs> done before. And I ended up writing a complaint. Which is very proud of you for doing because you never do. I ne- never, ever do. And I worded it very gently. I just was thinking about someone who might have been walking into that feeling more vulnerable than me. And then, would, I mean, I felt like a pricked balloon at the end of it, because I'd gone in with all this hope, they're going to tell me what we're going to do differently and we're going to have a better outcome this time. And I just felt like all hope was lost. Mm. So I did complain and then I felt bad because I was like, stressed doctor, she was probably running from one meeting to the next and she's probably just having a bad day and whatever. Um, but Yeah, but you're not... It's just worth pointing out that it's not just another day at the office, Absolutely. Right? And us. I get it that it might, you might fall into, into that trap and yes, for another profession, another day at the office, but not when this is life mm. and this is everything to people. Yeah. So we'd had the egg extraction. We'd had another unsuccessful transfer. I think we tried two more times to get my uterus to the point where it could be a hospitable home for an embryo and we just could not get there. And at that point, I just felt like we're stuck. Yeah. Because they the public funding meant they wouldn't ex- allow us to extract any more eggs. That's right. But we also couldn't use the egg we had because there was no point putting it in me if it was the equivalent of flushing it down the toilet. And so you're hitting your head against a brick wall and you're going, what the fuck, science? Why aren't mm-hmm. you doing your job? So that is one uh, when one of our very beautiful friends, casually as anything, just goes, well, you know, my <laughs> uterus is open to you, don't you? We were sitting in bread and butter in Ponsonby and we were having brunch. And <laughs> she just goes, oh, she's a very pragmatic, kind-hearted person. And she's just like, well. I've got a uterus, I've finished my family. You can use it if you want, <laughs> you know? And I was like, okay, um, can we just talk about this seriously for a minute? Because this is not a small matter. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, let's talk. And so we ended up going down and talking to her and her husband. Mm. And they were like, yeah, w- we've thought about this a lot. We don't need to do more thinking. We, we're we up for this, right? Mm, totally. And so, so I said, what's the cost on the short-term lease here? He said something like, well, look, my babies didn't uh, <laughs> didn't leave her in a worse state than I found her, so yours can't either. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you have to do some work and put them back together. <laughs> Retrofit. <laughs> Retrofitting. Um, but in all seriousness, I think they just wanted to help us have a baby. Because mm, they're beautiful humans. Yeah, beautiful humans. And I'll be forever grateful for that. Um, and so we started the process, started dealing with this, inc- and actually for the first time, this incredible surrogacy coordinator who advocated on yeah. our behalf, her name is Paula, I can't remember her surname, but it was, I cried when she rang me one day and she said, look, I've just had a chat with your beautiful friend. She seems like a perfect candidate because they have to go through a lot of screening. So she had passed with flying colours of the first screening test. And she said, I've also put a case to the medical director that you should be given a medical dispensation to collect more eggs now rather than waiting until the surrogacy process is complete. Very government-y bullshit, right? Uh, No, here's a rule. You can't do that (laughs) until you've ticked this box, until you've got the forms in. I mean, we're not going to dive into the whole surrogacy side of things in this country on this chat because we do it in other podcasts. But it's messed up. And I think there's a there's a good reason for some of them. Yeah. And I think the counselling and everything is a great idea. Totally. But basically they were suggesting that initially you can't extract any more eggs because you haven't got anywhere to put them. They mm. can't go into you and they can't go into anybody else until they have ethical approval and that might take a year. And I had been told that we only had until I was 38 
to complete our family. And at that point, I think it was December of 2022, and I'm like, I'm knocking on the door mm. of 37, and I'm definitely feeling my age now, <laughs> you know, very firmly in geriatric territory. And so she rings me and says, I've got medical dispensation for you. You can go ahead and extract more eggs because you're going to need more than one to go through the surrogacy process. And I sat in the middle of Britomart and bawled my eyes yeah. out. But it was so, that so nice to have was someone. finally do, acting on our behalf rather than us. saying no. Yeah, totally. And, and, so now you really hit it big time with the with the health kick, with the lifestyle changes. Yeah, I, and I have a big box <laughs> of pills that I was taking twice a day. I cut out dairy free, dairy free, gluten free, alcohol free, and I cut caffeine, which was really really hard. Yeah, <laughs> amazing thing about Nadine was she was still fun, even though she had none of those delicious things. Oh, <laughs> too bad on all the drugs really but I just want to take a little minute I've just written a couple of these down and just list out some of the things you um, were taking or have mm. been taking in your big case of, uh, of, of drugs <laughs> which I always get told yeah. off for leaving on the kitchen bench uh, you're taking PEA NAC folate aspirin magnesium calcium CoQ10 a herbal con Concoction, uh, melatonin beetroot powder greens powder fish oil lion's mane uh, reishi and turmeric, to name a few. Yeah, and I, there's probably more. And also, at the same time, I was taking sertraline, <laughs> the anti-anxiety medication. That's right. And I had, had suggested to me that it would be important to have a blood test to, just to check for one particular thing, and I forget what it is, to check that that drug would not be an impediment to my fertility. Mm. And thankfully it wasn't, and so I could stay not anxious because I'm definitely more fun when I'm not anxious. Yeah. And so that we did that, I think I did it from maybe September, September twenty twenty of last year. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to have to stick with this through Christmas. And you did. And I did. Bless my sister who was hosting Christmas. That's and right, she yeah. made sure that everything, there were options for me, gluten-free, dairy-free. Mm. She got me non-alcoholic gin. It was like so easy for me to stay on that regime with her help. And then we went away for New Year, and it was quite a different New Year to, to our normal yeah, yeah. New Year's. Well, getting, because, up, getting up at 5 a.m. and walking down the beach. It was yeah. very different. Going to bed at by 9 p.m. probably exactly. most, most nights. But it was relaxing, and yep. that was nice. Yeah. And so then we came back, got straight into work. Work was so intense at the start of the year. And then I was a week late, and I was like, been here before. Mm. Um, but I'd better take a test, I guess. And it was positive. And I remember walking into the garden, waving it about, <laughs> being like, um, I think you'd better have a look at this. And you just kind of looked at me and I just looked at you and we mm. had zero expression on our faces. Yeah, but kind of just, sorry, what? And so at this stage, we're not, uh, this is natural. <laughs> For the first time in four years, we naturally got pregnant. We've never had a pos positive pregnancy at home test ever. No. And I was like, well, guess I better take another one. And I did. And then I took a digital one. And they all said the same thing. And I was like, well, look, let's not get ahead of ourselves. The mm. chances are this is not sticking around. And we were just about to go and have our medical to start the surrogacy process. Yeah. I think and it was I, the weekend before the Tuesday that we were going in. Yeah. 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 And they'd just got your – we'd been recommended to get your the your sperm retested, retested for again. DNA fragmentation. 
And we went in and they said, oh, look, Dan's sperm isn't looking so great on DNA fragmentation, so we suggest some lifestyle changes and that you delay your IVF egg collection until May. And we were like, oh, okay, well, that's cool. We should also probably mention that uh, we just had a positive pregnancy test, but the chances are, you know, my boobs hurt, I'm cramping, feels like I'm going to get my period. And the doctor says to me, yeah, but those are also signs of pregnancy. <laughs> and I'm like, who designed that system? <laughs> um, and so they sent me off for the HCG levels, and I was so sort of prosaic about it. I was like, this is this is not going to happen. I'm mm. not going to get my hopes up. Because you don't want to get your hopes up, but you do want to get your hopes up. And it's funny, because even though you're like, I'm not invested in this, I don't have my hopes up, you would still have been crushed had it not mm. worked out. But miraculously, we are still pregnant. We are. Um, so congratulations, and, Nadine. We're, but also still terrified, right? Absolutely shitting ourselves. Because I just know that it's not the getting pregnant, it's the staying pregnant Absolutely. and delivering a healthy baby at the end of it that is the outcome here. And each test or scan you do, you're still worried. And we have read all the emails that come in from people and you get all the DMs stories. about all the sad stories that happen at different stages uh, throughout a pregnancy. So while, yay, we are pregnant and we're, and we're excited about it, but we haven't actually really celebrated. No, I, I wouldn't say that we've given ourselves permission to be excited yet. We've not bought a single thing. No. We've barely told a soul. So we're kind of cluing you guys in really all at once because we've played our cards really close to our chest because we were just so scared that we were then going to have to turn around and tell all those people that we weren't pregnant anymore because we made that mistake when we got pregnant the first time. Mm. We were like, we're not going to obey the 12-week rule. We want those people's support if anything happens. But then you kind of forget who needs to be told that it's not continuing and you end up having to explain yourself all the time. And, yeah, we just decided not to. Yeah, and I think the other, the other thing was that we've been working on this podcast for quite some time and then this came the pregnancy came as we were, had got a whole bunch of the um, interviews in the can and everything was underway. And we didn't want to feel like phonies or fakes either talking no. about this. Or, or And I don't think that we are because I think we still have had a major struggle to get here and the struggle is not over. Absolutely. We are still trying to make a baby. Yeah. And we hope that come October – that's what we will have. But the journey hasn't reached its conclusion yet no. as far as I'm concerned. And to be fair, two weeks, three weeks ago, we got a scare when we both got COVID for the first time. Well, early in the pregnancy, I had quite a lot of bleeding and they told me that it was like old blood. Mm. But that darker. doesn't... Yeah, so it's darker rather than bright red. But I was like, oh, yep, definitely going to miscarry. And every time you go to the bathroom, you're expecting that this will be it. And then we both got COVID and I felt like I was floored by it. I was surprised at how much it kicked my ass. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll be down for three days and get back up and get onto it. And it's less, like, I think maybe I'm only just getting over it. More than three weeks. Yeah, three weeks later. Past, yeah. And I was just really worried about what the impact on the fetus might be. And I don't know for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I hope. I've been keeping up with all the gluten-free, dairy-free 
millions of tonics and potions. It's changed a little bit because I'm still taking advice from that holistic fertility specialist. But actually, I credit her, in all honesty, with changing the game for us because after following her protocol to the letter, I got a normal period in January for the first time in almost 18 months um, post that miscarriage. And that was directly after that that we conceived. Yeah. So it's fixing the body properly is rather than just pumping it full yeah, of more full hormones. Of more stuff. So it's not that know, science doesn't have a role. No. It does. It absolutely does. It's just that But also if you don't look outside the box of science and look at other ways and means, mm. then you're kind of putting blinkers on. Yeah. So I I am so, so very aware that hearing that people are pregnant can be hard when you still desperately want to be. And so I hope that that's not um, too hard to digest for anyone who's following our journey. And I just really hope that you do wish us luck because we wish you luck. And we still remain committed to the co-papa, which is yeah. making this journey less lonely yeah. for those who are on it. And we just wanted to be authentic, open, honest with the audience because we don't want to hide this because it'd be nice for us to actually try and enjoy it as well. Yeah. And so the journey continues. Before I guess we wrap it up, I think we should put to each other the finish line questions that we've put to everybody else. Oh, yeah, it's not a bad idea. So this is the finish line. <laughs> Who's going to go first? Um, you go first. Okay. Can I pick them out of order or do they have to be go in order? Um, do what you like. <laughs> we, we make the rules here. <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. Um, so question one. Lots of this process can be heartbreaking <laughs> or even awkward, but funny. Do you have a memorable, hilarious moment that you can share with us? Um, well, we've already shared quite a few, <laughs> and we've probably still got a few more to share that you haven't heard yet, because we've obviously recorded a lot of the interviews that you haven't heard yet. Um, but I do remember we were going in for, I think it was a transfer of an embryo, and you, it was post-COVID, so you were allowed in the with bed. us. And they let you sit alongside the bed. And the doctor was like, oh, jack the bed up for me, mate. Yeah, you had a little, like, the, little, the foot pedal was beside me. Yeah. yeah. And so you pumped it up a few. And he's like, more. <laughs> and you pumped it up a bit more. He's like, more. And you basically pumped me up until my vagina was <laughs> at his height level. Yeah, well, but, but, I mean, maybe that's like an osh thing. You just want to be bending down, having a bad neck for the day. So you get... get get those vaginas right up in your eye, eye Yeah, line. maybe. And I do remember you've quite often made the gag of how many people do you think you've been through between your legs, Angel? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, all of them, roll up, have a geese. I don't care. <laughs> um, oh, I mean, there's so many. I'll never forget you in that cowboy outfit <laughs> or the Ashley Bloomfield. Like, I just about pissed my pants laughing. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it was really quite appealing because you'd gone to so much effort to try and make me laugh and it definitely had the desired effect. Got to try to keep your humour through it because it's, uh, it's definitely uh, can be some real downs throughout it. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any others? 
Um, a few people that I probably shouldn't put out in the public uh, <laughs> domain, um, just around, you know, trying to get sperm to locations on time and locations I've had to... Um, jack off in. Jack off in. <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. So don't need to delve into the dirty dirtiness of all that. All right. Well, Maybe then, I'll tell you on another podcast. Okay. What is the number one thing you'd say to someone... Maybe something that you wish you'd known at the start of this journey. Oh, science doesn't do everything. Um, Come with a bit more of an open mind because I was very closed about the holistic um, fertility specialists. Talk to each other, Mm -hmm. support each other, um, be kind to each other because it can be really hard um, watching your partner go through watching your partner go through a hard, hard process without putting their body on the line. And it's just, yeah, be kind to each other. I think it's the, the, the biggest thing that you've got to do. And remember that um, while you're reaching for this goal together, you know, you started out together, so you're a team. Yeah, not to lose each other in the yeah, process. absolutely. But you're tearing me up now. <laughs> You've been so kind to me in this process. So, you know, going gluten and dairy-free, Dan's an amazing cook, and he has tried to make all of my most favourite things fit the diet regime. Mm, so, not too bad. And we, and we haven't changed, like, we're all eating at home, the, the gluten-free, dairy-free yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like Dan has managed to make me a dairy-free creme brulee, which is like my all-time favourite dessert, which just makes me want to jump his bones. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you make babies, creme As brulee. <laughs> um, I suppose I would add to that, keep your own notes. Like start a yeah. file on your computer and know what the drugs you have been taking and who's recommended what, what's worked, what hasn't. Because you're your best advocate for your Big time. body, right? And you can see that as you get passed down the line throughout the doctors and passed on to somebody else. They, I mean, they are busy. They yeah. sh- should be across everything. But if you can really pinpoint dates and what worked for you and what didn't, I think that's a really good advice. Pay attention to your cycle. Mm. I don't think I paid enough attention to the fact that my period had gone from being the normal kind of five to seven days to being 24 hours, and that obviously had implications. Um, Get second opinions. Mm. um, And also don't be afraid to tell people to piss off. (laughs) Like the number of people who, even when we published this podcast, were like, oh, you know what? It'll happen if you just relax. I'm like, have you not been listening? That is the worst thing you could say. Well, that kind of takes me on to question three for you, actually. <laughs> you know, there are all these experts out there, keyboard warriors, um, people who think they are being helpful. Mm. What would be the worst thing somebody has said to you during the fertility process um, or maybe an unhelpful piece of advice that they've thrown at you? Um, one I actually got recently since launching this podcast, Mm -hmm. someone got into my DMs and they said, don't take this the wrong way, but, which is always a cue. I'm not a racist, but. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, It's not happening for you because you want it too much, so you need to relax. And it will happen for you if it's meant to happen for you because some people aren't meant to be parents. And I was like, 
whoa, fuck you. <laughs> so I can bet you have got like an open public profile and because people, people were sending that to me, they get a real short, sharp response. <laughs> I didn't respond at all, but... It's not worth it most of the I time. I do think that for the benefit of other people, and really, do you know what? Do be there for people, but just maybe don't offer unsolicited advice because mm. even really well-meaning, lovely friends have said things like, go on holiday. It'll happen if you just relax. Relax. And I'm like, That's one of the biggest ones. Relax. When there's medically things wrong with you, endometriosis, an adhesion in your uterus, mm. a blockage in your ball bag, all of those things are not solved by relaxing, you know? Like they are medical problems to be fixed. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right. What would Final you question. Final question. What would you tell someone who's supporting someone going through the process? Be there for them. I think um, we we were talking, we asked this question to somebody and I thought their advice was really good. You can get lost in your own life. And so when they're going through that journey, maybe just give yourself a little reminder mm. to pop up on your phone to just be like, hey, how'd that blood test go? Hey, I know you're waiting for some information to come back, thinking of you. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to probe for details. No. And actually, our friend Emily is, has been so good mm. at that. I reckon she must run a diary system. <laughs> because she's a very organised person. She's so a very organised person. <laughs> and so she would flick me a message and go, how was the blood test? Or do you want to talk? Or do you want to grab a coffee? And so it wasn't always, tell me how it went, pump me for information. But she was just there. Constantly, yeah. and so you always knew she cared. And I think um, a piece of advice for for men, for guys, uh, it's hard for a, a partner, or well, for, for partners really, it's hard for a partner to watch the person going through it. So maybe even just reach out to them, text them, go for a walk, have a beer, just engage a, a little bit on that side, just to get their side of it and their feeling across as well. I'm so proud of you being open about your feelings because I know that it isn't necessarily something that you are normally comfortable Not with. My biggest uh, <laughs> skill <laughs> but set. I, but I think it's so important. And look, I really hope this this journey to creating this baby is successful because I just think you'd be the most amazing father. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Love you. Love um, you too. Thanks, everybody. Surprise! (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to The Human Race, a podcast from Wabi Sabi Media and Stuff. Follow the show on Apple, Spotify or any other podcast app. And please leave a review. It helps other people discover this important content. You can also listen at stuff.co.nz slash thehumanrace. We'd also love to hear from you. Email thehumanrace at stuff.co.nz and follow us at facebook.com slash thehumanracenz or on Insta at thehumanracenz. The Human Race was produced by me, Dan Higgins. And me, Nadine Higgins. Audio editing and mixing by John Ropeha. The associate producer was Jen Black. And executive producer was Chris Reed. Thanks very much for listening. That was The Human Race, which was proudly brought to you by Alivit. Support babies' healthy development at every stage. Always read the label, follow the directions for use. Vitamin and mineral supplements are not a substitute for a balanced diet. If you have a baby with a neurotube defect or spina bifida, seek specific medical advice. Bayer New Zealand Limited, Auckland.
Mark, if we look at News Hub, the potential of that closing its entire operation in June, the cuts at TVNZ, what's at risk here? Well, look, we get into this whole thing, you know, democracy is at risk, but News Hub, from their first days, always tried to do things a little bit differently and may have been considered a little bit more sort of kick-ass and less respectful to the politicians. But you need that. I mean, our job is not to be sort of cheerleaders for whoever. It should be to sort of to question and, uh, and to keep people informed. If you don't have a news media sort of calling people out, it's the wild west. For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts.